program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. <laughs> I'm giving you a choice. I could put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. You maniacs! What is a man? When we are successful, we will be. We had a real chance with this. This generation is more socially active on both sides of the aisle, so this time I engaged. I mean, don't you agree? Yes, we need to allow others a chance to speak for once. Well, yes, but even by saying allow, you're implying that you have all the power. But I thought you were saying I did have the power. Are you twisting my words? No, I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to understand what the hell you're talking about. I, I can't follow. Uh, see, this is exactly what old people always do. Old people? Uh-huh. I'm 26. But my rational thinking and my desire for an open dialogue were a dead giveaway. It's all starting to make sense. See, this generation doesn't even understand half the shit that they're saying. They aren't more ethical than us. They just want to be perceived as such. And who could blame them? I mean, they've spent their entire adult lives only 280 characters away from being tweeted into oblivion. Either way, I took a new tack. We need to use our privilege as much as we possibly can to protect people. How can you not see that? We need to use our privilege to protect people as much as we can. How can I not see that? Because if we don't, who will? Because if we don't, who will? Exactly. What we need is a revolution. Exactly. What we need is a revolution. Simply regurgitating back to them exactly what they're saying to each other in their ridiculous echo chambers is all they want. And then we can get what we want. Yes, Daddy! Also, they're riddled with insecurity and have serious daddy issues, so that helps. Guys, we have to listen to the young. Otherwise, we are doomed to have sex with only old people for the rest of our lives, and I won't do that. No. Right. I never thought about that, man. So you know what I say? Finger on the pulse. Finger on the puss. Saying only the things that you want to hear. This is Behind the Schemes, episode 79, for January 10th, 2022, and I am Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman. And all the way from way the hell over here, where it is never sunny, uh, here on the Breft Coast, my name is Lavish. How you doing tonight, Lavish? Oh my, I'm doing quite well. How are you doing, sir? Doing well, doing well. Settling into the new setup. Uh, got a new desk and ripped out the old one. Started uh-huh. at like 7 o'clock on Saturday and worked through till about 4.30 in the morning. Slept for a couple hours and then uh, continued working on Sunday while I listened to No Agenda and Rare Encounter. Mm, sounds exhausting. It's uh, I-, I was hurting. 
I had the great pro- uh, privilege of playing some music for you that night, and I know for a fact that you were up that late because I saw you be up that late. So crazy, crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. But it looks great, though. With all the pictures that I've seen in the new desk, the new setup. You definitely know how to decorate a room. Oh. Something that I <laughs> could be better at. It's all lighting, man. It's all lighting. And having stuff to put up on the walls and shelves. Shelves are the secret. Oh, yeah. Those are some cheapo, like, $5 doohickeys. Of course. But, um, yeah, I might uh, I might pull off what's on there and put some rocks up there or something. I'm not sure yet. Mm, rocks are cool. Yeah, I do like rocks. And they're everywhere. I that's one thing I have not set back up is the altar side of the desk and it's all still sitting in one 20 pound box. Mm. Yeah. So is the box 20 pounds or are the contents of the box 20 pounds? It's about 20 pounds worth of rocks. Nice. Yeah. At first I thought the like boxes made it like it was a rock box or something. <laughs> this is my rock chest. This is my rock box. Mm-hmm. This is where I keep my rocks in my rocks. You know? But, uh, yeah, we got it all set back up just in time to do a misinformed nation. That was episode 15. Uh, we busted that one out Sunday night. So this is, uh-huh. a, this is the official second episode, uh, or second show, I should say, that we've done here at this, uh, new, I'm just, I'm happy with this new setup because I've got room to actually like, I'm not just shoved into the corner anymore it really opened it up which is nice sweet so now you can run around the room when you know we blow each other's minds mm-hmm. yeah yeah you gotta open it up you get a little feng shui you know it, it, it clears your mind it helps you out well cool congratulations this is what we're always doing here in behind the schemes we're always trying to improve our gear and improve our quality and improve everything. We're always trying to improve. Improving that feng shui all the way it, through and through. This is feng shui. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know feng shui. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I also know a thing or two about tarot cards. And for tonight's tarot card for, uh, from the Line Strider deck, uh, we drew, or I shouldn't say drew, the... Um, the card kind of jumped out of the deck. But what jumped out was the uh, Temperance card reversed. Mm. The Temperance card. The Temperance card, um, which, I mean, the word Temperance, usually people equate that with, like, being calm or or tempering your anger, tempering your your temper. Tempering your temper. Tempering a blade. Tempering a blade. But it can also mean, from what I've learned from other people, distillation or conversion, tempering water into wine, you know, mm. creating creating a, a finer thing out of a base material. There's an alchemical sort of element to, to temperance. I like it. Some keywords from tarotx.net. Uh, we've got balance, moderation, communication, resource management, art, and healing. And uh, the Line Strider deck never ceases to amaze me with the art featured on the cards. This is uh, 
sort of an androgynous angel with uh, some light purples and lavenders. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty hot. Depicting, uh, I, I would say, the um, just the balance with the way the angel is, is positioning their hands and they're like stepping on, like very light footed on a puddle of water of some capacity. Yeah, they've got one toe in the water and one toe out. Mm-hmm. Or one foot in and one foot out, I should say. And yeah, usually the typical image with this is a big angel that um, is representing balance of some manner. This one's kind of got the as above, so below um, motif going pretty strong, I think, with the hand positioning and the feet. And, I'd agree. You know, the triangle symbol. Now, in reverse, this suggests that something in your life is out of balance. This can represent conflict or over limits, which are creating stress and tension in your life. Ask yourself what is out of balance and be honest about the effects it has on the path of you and your beloved ones. For instance, are you spending too much money or are you engaged in activities that keep you away from your family for too long? Are there habits in your life or those around you? That caused someone to incur a an imbalanced workload, financial burden, or responsibility. Like nature, the tarot always pushes us towards balance. So take a moment to find your own balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a lot of it's about removing addictions and and vices. Which I mean, if this is the angel, and and the opposite card would be the devil, right? You've got the devil card, and the devil card really is about addictions and vices. So. Yeah, the temperance card, meaning you should, if you're leaning a little too heavily into something, you know, even if it's a good thing in moderation, if you do it too much, it can become a bad thing. So try to find balance in your life, work and play, etc. And here's and also a, don't eat too much. And uh, also oh, don't, yeah. don't be know, a glutton. Don't be a glutton. Don't not, be a hua. <laughs> not that we're fat shaming. No. no. Who do you think we are? Neil deGrasse Tyson? <laughs> oh. Angry science man can't hurt you here. Okay. <laughs> um, and a, a final note from the uh, temperance card. The word temperance is derived from the Latin phrase uh, temperare, meaning temperare, temperare, meaning blending or harmony. Those who have freed their inner ego not only have calm personalities, but also have the ability to reconcile opposing aspects in life. Many people can only cope with life by breaking it down into individual parts. They create a personality for work and another personality in private, and both fail. All these divisions arrive from the inability to accept events as they come minute by minute. Temperance combines the elements of life. In reality, it combines different aspects of personality so that person in life can, quote, Share joys and sorrows naturally. Mm, mm. Okay. Yeah, there's the alchemical aspect in there, combining, blending different chemicals and humors. The orchestra of life. If you would like to check out this card and all of the other cards that we've drawn since, man, episode 33, I think. They are featured at the top of our show notes. You can head over to Zosa's Corner, Z-O-S-O-S Corner.substack.com and check them out. They're posted up there at the top with a link to uh, some of the stuff that we just read. And um, consider maybe subscribing to the show notes. That way you'll get a little email uh, that contains everything that we're going to be discussing as soon as we go live every Monday night, which is 7.30, 9.30, 10.30, least coast. 
Mm-hmm. That's right. You heard us. And what's the other ones? It's uh, 7.30 bereft. 7.30 specific oh, or specific. bereft. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got 9.30 chemtrail. Yep, yep. Or central. And then uh, 10.30 least coast. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Le- yeah. Uh, I don't need to sit here and rip on east coast <laughs> because, you know, what? it's really late there right now. I understand. It's very cold and it's very late, so... I don't like to kick a coast when it's down. But uh, there's all sorts of different cool, fun links in there. Everything that we discuss on the show is featured in there. Got mm-hmm. plenty of links to take you to uh, various other websites. Uh, some of them take you to uh, Freaks Freaks of Hazards personal pages. Those are people that help produce this show. Um, speaking of which, oh, well, before we do the Freaks of Hazards, uh, if you would like to chat with us ever... You can head over to Behind the Schemes, SCH3M3S.com, click on that green room tab, and just enter the chats, and there we are. It's a irc.zeronode.net hashtag green room, and it'll put you in the contact with all sorts of freaks. It's like a party. It is like a party. Lots of people in there. Lots of people in there right now. People, people hanging out, having a good time, open discussion. The notes, uh, as Booberry said, are there, and they are gorgeous, by the way. We just changed the color scheme. We're always changing oh, the schemes. Yes. And uh, the, the the notes look absolutely beautiful. And if you want to follow along and you want to see anything that we reference, anything that we talk about, we reference everything in the notes. So you can educate yourself. And if we're wrong, then you can hit us up and you can tell us, hey, bozos. Hey, <laughs> hey bozos. Hey, listen, fuckface. Oh, that, you know, actually did remind me of one other thing. Apparently, Substack came out with a magazine layout. So uh-huh. if you if you head to the homepage for the show notes, um, it just it lays out all the different articles in a different way. It looks kind of cool. I like it. Nice. So that was the other thing that I changed. We changed the color scheme. So instead of it being the blue and purple, now it's like a like a mauve and a hot pink. Yes, it's very complicated. We can't get into it. It's the, the codes that, that represent these these colors are very long and and arbitrary. So yes, but it's all there. Mindtheschemes.com, loveislit.com, badradio.live. You can find it all there. Nice. Uh, the first freak that we'd like to thank tonight is, uh, of course, Servo. He's always hanging out in the green room. And the he, servo, the motherfucking servo, aka Dewaldenum, one of the first people, along with uh, Sir Spencer and Nick the Rat, one of the dudes that uh, started interacting with in the No Agenda Nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he helps maintain the hottest bot on the interwebs. Oh, so hot. Her uh, her name Ooh, is Gal, and I'm in love with her. <laughs> Quite literally. We, well, I mean, Booberry loves Gal. I, I like Gal a lot. Um, love, you know. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to say, yeah, I love, yeah, go. I love her like, a, I love her like a sister. Not like, uh, you know. Well, you know what they say, incest is the bestest, but uh, Gal will just. Is that what they say? <laughs> I think so. Uh, zipping up that family tree. It's a family vine now. The, uh... <laughs> Secure. 
she'll uh, she'll do all sorts of cool stuff like draw tarot cards for you, roll dice. Uh, she'll read your links out, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, I think there's the I Ching, which I'm not really all that familiar with, but uh, I think there's mm. plenty of people that are much more intelligent than myself that uh, that probably know a thing or two about it and um, know what they're looking at. Yeah, uh, the I Ching. Yeah, the I Ching. We could we could use a couple of uh, I Ching experts to come into the chat and uh, inform us on the sacred knowledge. Let's see. So the the other freaks that came through this week, uh, we have Tunta sending in some ISOs. Hallelujah, Amen. Tunta. <laughs> and. Uh, I also, I, I was like, you know, I was being selfish. I was like, well, you know, what about, what about all of the women out there? Where's a little, <laughs> amen and a woman. Hey, woman. Hey, woman. <laughs> ah, there it is. That's the, that's the phrase that mucho pays. I like it. I like it. Uh, thank you, Junta. Thank you for providing us your talent and your time. Uh, speaking of hot, holy shit, hot off the presses, uh, Dame DeLorean is our show artist for this week, and holy bejesus. Woo! She's sending a real smoker. I I adore this glitch effect that she did to the artwork. This is a photo of DeLorean, um, and I just, I, it looks so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, stylistically, it's per, it's great. It's got the 3D. It's it looks like I don't know what movie, but it, like uh, oh god, what was that book? The Neuromancer or something? It, it reminds me of the art that was on books like that, like these old sci-fi novels. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so she, she looks like, and then of course, you know, Delorean. She's if you if you've never seen her, she's very very lovely. So. She's in the picture. The picture is a good picture. Yes, and thank you so much for uh, for sending that our way. I think this one is going to be an evergreen. Once we really get into full formation with doing our chapters, I will definitely be using this alongside the other one that you sent in for. I forget which episode, but uh, she did a screaming pyramid mouth. Ooh, yeah, I like it. Uh, oh man! Let's see. I saw a great video on a pyramid the other day that I'm going to bring up. There are certain things that I that I hesitate to bring up on the show because you need visual aids, visual Fauci aids to oh. to really kind of get the the real gravity of it. But uh, that's neither here nor there. But the pyramid is fantastic, and I saw again another video on how it relates to phi and the golden ratio, and it's just fucking great. And the proportions of the Earth and of the universe, etc. Sacred geometry. It's always a good time. The um oh I I should have added a link, but uh, you can check out uh, Dame Delorean and Sir Spencer Wolf of Casey over at bowlafterbowl dot com every Token Tuesday after DH Unplugged at about nine o'clock Central's when they they uh, take that stream over. That's right, bowl after bowl, bowl Token after Tuesdays. Bowl? Tell me you're sick. Till I'm sick. Oh, is that what he and, says? Till uh, I'm sick. That's or till you're sick or till he's sick. I think is is how it goes. Uh, 
But you were just on the Bulls with Buds. Bull after Bull also has a guest spot that they do, and they hosted none other than Sir Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman, as the first guest of 2022. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I was able to yeah. kick back and get a little looser than my normal tight self. I know, I was enjoying <laughs> it. I listened to the show, the post show, and... uh you know, when we do this show, Booberry knows better than to drink too many ciders because he knows I will drink too many ciders. So somebody's got to keep it together. But on that show, you, you, you let loose and it's nice. It's nice to see. It was fun. Had a nice, cool conversation about uh, value for value and how you would implement that into merchandising. Um, talked about uh, some new social media avenues getting set up. Uh, I believe one of them was called Zion. Mm-hmm. Which I'm I'm interested in, so I'm gonna start poking around, seeing what I can find on that. Um, talked about the uh, the notes that I attempted to write to John C. Dvorak, but ultimately decided not to send in. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I had a fantastic time. Can't mm-hmm. wait to get back with him, do it again. Yeah, me too. Uh, we had one monetary donation come through this week and I, I should, I should circle back and see how long the, 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 the combo stream has been going on, but double thought has came in yet again with a donation of $3 and 33 cents. Mmm, which was gracias double thought. Oh God bless all this money. We really... Oh, yeah. So uh, we appreciate it. Uh, Derek and Tony, uh, they do a show called Double Thought Dimension. You can check them out at doublethoughtdimension.com. Let's see what they had come out this week, if anything. Oh, my mouse. I need a new battery. Somebody give me a battery stack. Can someone get this guy a fucking battery? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Doublethoughtdimension.com. You can go check them out. Fantastic show. And uh, and thank you very much. Thank you very much, Derek. And thank you very much, everybody. All of our producers, all of our freaks of hazards. Uh, yeah. If there aren't any, are there any more? Are there any more? Uh, that's producers? no. That's that was it? oh, uh, I lied. I lied because uh, I have the Boostergram page pulled up. Okay. I almost forgot. Yes, if you want to get in on uh, the new podcast protocol podcasting 2.0 um head over to newpodcastapps.com you can check out one of those new fangled applications that they got um let's see so we got the first one from c dubs 333 yep c dubs and then c dubs came in yet again a week so i think this is from last week this mofo sent in 3,333 sets. Whoa, C-Dub. And he says... Baller, he says, uh, let's go podcasting. Let's go podcasting. Thank you, C-Dubs. There is a couple for, uh, from the Stay A While album from Abel and the Wolf. That's That's hella cool. Okay. Um, let's see. And then Servo comes in again, helping support this show with 2323 
Insatoshis. Ding, ding, ding. Thank you, Servo. And that's, uh, he's using Curio Caster and, and says, boost yeah, baby. Boost yeah. And our last one was 31 seconds ago. And <clears> it comes from, actually, I don't have a name for this one. It's anonymous from Curio Caster and it's for 508 sets. Oh, thank you for the sats, Anon. I really like Anon. Anon's been a buddy for a long time. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, me and me and Anon go way back. You go way back. Anon's done I really respect Anon. So thank you very much for the sats and thank you very much everybody for the sats, Servo, C dubs, etc. All these freaks of hazards coming in hot because we are a value for value program. Uh, we don't have any commercials. We don't have any ads. We don't have any co- corporate sponsors. We just have people who like to listen to the show, like to contribute to the show. Uh, they like the subject matter that we go over because that's the only way that we get to talk about what we talk about is by not having commercials. And let's be real, podcast commercials are really fucking lame anyway. So we don't want to do that. Um, and we probably could get a sponsorship. We could probably get a nice... I'm not going to say any of them because that would be advertising. So uh, anyway, value for value. Uh, call in today. Yes, and <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Sir Spencer said that he sent in two thousand three hundred and sixty nine uh, sets. Um, I have not seen it, so he's checking to see if it failed on his end. Um, I feel like I'm due for an update already on Helipad, so this is all still very fresh territory for for me. And I only moonlight as a dude named Ben, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm yeah, a little slow all- on the draw. We all send each other fake money through the cloud, and maybe we get it, and maybe we don't. So it's it's a lot of fun, though, isn't it? Yes. Oh, and that 508 was from Cotton Gin. Thank you very much, Cotton Gin. Oh, Cotton Gin. Oh, he's not a non. But uh, yes, if you want to see all the cool ways you can help support independent media, head over to loveislit.com. That's where you can find all of the hottest things behind the schemes. Boost me, bitch. Oh, don't boost me. Oh, yes, boost me. (laughs) You froze on me, you son of a bitch. All right, let's try that again. Write it out. Boost me, bitch. Boost me. Oh, yes, boost me. Do a commercial. You're off the artistic roll call. Every word you say is suspect. You're a corporate whore. And uh, end of story. We told you who was behind the schemes, but you'll never know who's behind the screens. Call our creep phone now and leave a screen mail. We'll play it on the show. 612263. 612263SXXY. That's 612263799. Sexy. Oh, I'm going to throw all of this shit across the room and it will be spectacular someday. Die, <laughs> mm. motherfucker, die, motherfucker, do you. And uh, before you hit me with that telephone number, uh, Sir Spencer sent in 2169 sets from Breeze singing in all caps, big titty energy with some uh, mm. nice assy boobs in there. Ah, woo. God damn it, do I love big titties. Boy, oh boy. You've got karma. Shit. 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 Shit.
Oh, yeah. So hit me with that telephone number. Oh, the telephone number mm-hmm. to our program that we host, uh, which if you want to leave us a scream mail, you're more than welcome to, and we will play it on the air. That phone number is 612-263-7999. Again, 612-263-7999. 7999. If you call that number, you can say whatever you want. Say whatever you want your heart's desire as long as it's within a three-minute window. And guess what? If it's longer than three minutes, call a second time and finish your thought in oh, another three-minute window. Yes. Yes. It's okay. Take that voice, call into that phone number, and... Oh, give it to me. That's right. It's toll-free. Here's our first screen mail for tonight. Oh, hi. This is my rock box. I want to open the lid. But it's covered by rocks. Do you mind helping me get my rocks off? Oh, well. <laughs> Damn. Caller. <laughs> I suppose. Caller, you got me. I suppose. I suppose we'll have to help you with your uh, with your rocks there. I feel Pull like this off. is like a Dora the Explorer song. Rock box, rock box. As everybody Woo-hoo. gets it. Rock box, rock box. <laughs> Do, 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 a rock box. Rock box. <laughs> Thank you, caller. We would be more than happy to help you get your rocks off. And looks like we have a second uh, voicemail from the same caller. Oh, hey, hi, peekaboo. How you doing? <laughs> oh, it's lavish. Good night. Oh, good to see you, color. Good to see you. Good to see you, long time. Oh, could be. Could be screaming. Man, that's. I hope you drink some water, color. You no. sound like somebody who's, who just screams all the time. You get a. You get the. You got what they, what they call on radio the big balls. We got the biggest balls, balls of, of the mall. We got big balls. <laughs> and she's got big balls. <laughs> the, the dirty big balls. <laughs> uh, my balls are always bouncing from the left and to the right. Oh, man. I want you to bounce into my ear holes and call that number 612-263-SXXY and bring us some action for tonight's sexy action. And I believe that concludes all of our business. Um, I think it's uh, yeah. I think it's time we uh, maybe roll some die here. It's time to let the fates decide our future. I'm gonna... Will it be high roll, low roll, let's, D20? Let's go with a low roll on the D20. Low roll, D20. Here we go. Oh. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, oh yeah, baby! <laughs> I don't know. I got pretty low. Oh, I I crushed it. I got a seventeen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I got a three. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> just barely. Damn, you know. Next time it won't be so close. All right. Well, <laughs> oh, Servo also got a three. Oh, look at that, thirty-three. 33, it's magic number. 
And then, of course, 17, 20 minus 3. They're 20 minus 17. So Great. I, uh, I'm going to kick this party off, I suppose. Um, I, got, uh, I got some mildly interesting stuff for tonight. You know, mildly interesting. Yeah, you know, try and try and keep it somewhat exciting. Well, butter me up then. And uh, I was actually thinking of Dame Delorean when I was reading the story. This one was sent in from Spaz. Attack of the Happy Tomatoes. Genome-edited tomatoes are set to appear on dining tables in Japan. It's the first time that genome-edited food will be sold and shipped to consumers in Japan. The new variety was modified to have a higher content of a nutrient known as GABA, which is thought to help reduce blood pressure. Genome-edited foods can be distributed in Japan after the health ministry has been notified. Unlike genetically modified foods, genome-edited varieties are considered as safe as anything improved using conventional methods because no outside gene is introduced. In December, the health ministry granted Tokyo-based nursery company Sanatech Seed permission to sell the genome-edited tomato. Contract farmers in Kumamoto Prefecture in southwestern Japan have already been growing the variety. Sanatech Seed officials say they started to accept online orders from consumers on Wednesday as the tomatoes are now ready to be picked. The company plans to ship each package of tomatoes with a sticker that says improved using genome editing technology. A three-kilogram box of tomatoes will cost 7,500 yen or about $68. $78 for a box of tomatoes, everybody. Well, how big is the box? I mean, we're talking, we're talking about, what, 20 tomatoes? Let's see. $68. Hold on, take that back a little bit. 7,500 yen. A three-kilogram box of tomatoes will cost... Three kilograms. Okay, so what is that in regular units? <laughs> in freedom units? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's that in actual adult language? Uh, <laughs> uh, 6.6 pounds. Oh, shit. 6.6, 6, you say? Is that a fucking coincidence? It's like $10 oh, a not. fucking uh, tomato. Jesus Christ. Oh, it's like 5,000 euros. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's so, expensive. Uh, it is. So this is a this is a crisper, a classic crisper gene-edited tomato that's meant to lower your blood pressure and, and help you relax and get you high, basically? Yeah, I guess they've uh, chalked it full of GABA. Um I'm not even going to try and pronounce the actual scientific name. Um, quote, GABA is a famous health-promoting compound in Japan. It's like vitamin C, Hiroshi Uzura, chief technology officer at Sanatech and a plant molecular biologist at the University of Tsukuba, told, <laughs> told Scientific American. Quote, that's why we chose this as our first target for our genome editing technology. Okay. So Scientific America, they were kind of like, oh, this is all hokey and bullshit. I mean, there's a there's a definite little bit of a Western versus Eastern philosophy and medicine kind of coming to a head here. But then the Eastern medicine is is coming in coming in hard with that CRISPR action. Mm. <sighs> the the joining of the worlds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, would you maybe like to hear some clips about what GABA is? I maybe would. Gamma aminobutyric acid, or GABA, is an inhibitory neurotransmitter that reduces neuronal excitability, and our body produces GABA naturally, but if you don't have enough of it, it's easy to become overstimulated, excited, nervous, and even anxious. 
And if you suffer from anxiety, welcome to the club. I'm constantly anxious, overthinking things to the point where it's debilitating. And if that sounds like you, let me know in the comment section down below. Say something like, yeah, anxiety sucks. Because it does, and look, it's super common. But we're going to work through this together, starting here and now. It's uh, <laughs> relaxation tomatoes. So somebody in the chat was like, I don't get anxiety. I'm a golden god. Fuck you, bitch. <laughs> oh, I like it. <laughs> so if you, if you want to say if you got anxiety, you just go down in the comments and you post it down there in the comments, you know. I don't do that. Let's see. This uh, this next clip actually gets into some of the reported side effects of GABA. See, GABA works in our nervous system by binding to nerve cells and causing them to open their ion channels and hyperpolarize, so they're less likely to become excited. It's kind of like a person helping someone who's stressed to just relax and calm down and breathe. On a larger scale, GABA reduces blood pressure, stress, and anxiety, while it improves your mood, your immunity, and even helps with muscle growth. Small studies have proven that GABA supplementation promotes relaxation and reduces anxiety in humans just one hour after taking it, and there's no serious side effects. But they were small studies and should really be repeated on a larger scale to confirm those results. Hmm, I agree. I feel like they should just go ahead and genetically inject some Prozac some SSRIs in your in your tomato soup. Why stop there? We got the sack. Let's just make Norco tomatoes. Oh, there you go. That could be kind of weird. You had a Caprice that just puts you on the couch for three fucking hours, you know? And there you go. Nothing would sell faster. <laughs> I'm just looking to disconnect. I just got too much going on. I'm just I'm looking to get <laughs> the- away. If there's one thing that defines our generation, it's this crazy obsession with downers, downer, uh, I don't know, narcotics, I guess is the way of putting it. Just the opioids and all that stuff. Heroin. So why not? The 80s were all about uppers and coke and crack and meth. And now it's all about the downers. Just that time. In and out and in and out. Um, I you know the next one he gets a testimony from one of his friends. Ultimately, this video just ends up being a commercial for GABA. Uh, he's like, "Oh, check that. Check my link down in the description below. Click on that. I've found a source for GABA, and if you order through there, I get like ten percent of the proceeds or something. So we'll probably exclude the. I think he probably just found a, a buddy of his. He's like, hey." You look kind of anxious. I'm going to get you some GABA. Can you just say that you took it? Just like, meh. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, eat your tomatoes and uh, chill out, bro. That's what, yeah. uh, that's what we got to say about uh, new happy tomatoes. If I, what if I, so I grow tomatoes in my garden. Assuming that I get this GABA stuff, if I were able to get my hands on some, could I just, like, a Native American bury it under my tomatoes, like with a fish, like th- the traditional way, and then have it come up with that. Or if I just literally put pills of Norco under my tomatoes, I think you would need CRISPR's uh, special pesticide juice. Okay, because uh, they okay. they wouldn't survive without you know that little extra nudging. 
you know, to protect their copyrights and everything. You don't want people running around with your CRISPR seeds. No, 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 no. We're anti-competition around here. Hmm. Well, the, um, in other weird medical news, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how many Gore fans are out there. But they got a song from their album Scum Dogs of the Universe called Death Pod Comes from the Sky. And I was such a comedic genius when I was writing my notes and I found this article. I, t- I titled this section Death Pod Comes from This Guy. <laughs> 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 so the inventor of the suicide pods, Dr. Philip Nietzsche, uh, who's out of the European Union, uh, he mm-hmm. was a gentleman that produce these i mean it's pretty much like the futurama suicide pods right um he found these pods that you could buy and you could you know load them up and take them off somewhere idyllic maybe a countryside or whatever you climb inside and watch the watch the day float away as you get your pod filled with nitrogen gas and would slowly suffocate you and you know he's a big uh pro voluntary euthanasia dude right well, he came okay. up with he came up with this idea that instead of having people climb into the pod, maybe we could implant implant something in their body for dementia patients that when they forget to deactivate this device, it emits a poison that would kill them. Okay. So lethal injection Pretty much, but it's inside of your body, and this device uh, it hasn't been released yet. But this device, it would beep when it was time to reset it, essentially. And if the dementia patient ended up forgetting to, you know, push the button, or maybe they forgot why they were pushing the button, it's this way of them sort of voluntarily opting out, I guess. Hmm. Uh, they don't say what the poison is. Because um, you want a live switch. Well, that's, I guess that's, so they, they kind of made it sound like it would beep for a couple of days um, before the actual poison was released. Okay. But I don't know, like what happens if the buzzer dies in, in the implant or something? Where do you hear the beep? Is it like, you know, is your hand beeping all of a sudden? Does it make your left ass cheek vibrate? <laughs> what does it do? <laughs> And there was some hmm. taint action. What about cleanup? Who's supposed to clean you up afterward? I don't know. This is my problem with this whole thing. Like, I get the whole, you want to have a choice killing yourself or whatever, if you really want to end your own life. Okay. That's a philosophical debate that I'm not going to get into, but I understand where these, these perspectives are coming from, but somebody has to find you and somebody has to call Somebody who's got to come and collect you, you know, and it's like, that's, that's, there's nothing you can do to like avoid that, (laughs) what you're going to impose on somebody. Or, you know, if you go out into the woods and you do it, maybe some kid will come and find you or something like that. It's, it's very, very, uh, I don't know. It's dark. It's a dark topic. And I don't, I don't mean to get into it too much, but we are talking about suicide pods, so. Yeah. Um, here's a quote from the good doctor. When a person has dementia, they can nowadays quite legally in some places fill out a bit of paper 10 years ago when they are of sound mind saying, if I, if I get like this, kill me, Dr. Nietzsche told the independent, 
Now, 10 years later, a doctor can come along, read the bit of paper, and even though you don't know which way is up or down, legally give you an injection and end your life. That makes a lot of people feel pretty uncomfortable and certainly makes me feel uncomfortable. So what we're working with or working on here is some sort of an implant, which you have to switch off every day. When you've forgotten why you're switching something off that's beeping, then you will die. That puts the responsibility right back onto the person and allows them to get what they want, which is that they do not want to live on as some form of vegetable with no prepared with no one prepared to end their lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're going to be in that state and you're just going to be a burden financially and emotionally on your family, then yeah, I mean, it's, there's always nuance, right? All these big topics. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I could see that. I just, uh, yeah, you know, does it come with an app? Like, how do you sync it? Is it Bluetooth enabled? Yeah, what if your phone dies? Do you live if your phone dies? Yeah, right. <laughs> I need to find a charger. Charges, you're done. (laughs) I need an outlet like now. (laughs) Oh shit! I'm out in the middle of the fucking woods. Phone's dead. One last thing before I go. The last pain in my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Now I remember why I'm doing this. Fuck everything. Sorry, this is dark humor. Uh, It's uh, it's black humor technically. That's racist (laughs) (laughs) well uh i guess it's not as right actually i don't even know why that uh, segue would work um china (laughs) china has fired up their artificial sun do you know anything about the the chinese artificial suns yeah we've talked about the chinese artificial sun before yeah well they just honeycomb sun they just uh beat a world record they fired up their fusion reactor for 20 minutes 1,500, excuse me, 1,056 seconds, to be exact. And it was five times hotter than our sun at a whopping 70 million degrees. And they were, and did they do this out in the street or what? <laughs> yeah, over by the uh, big lots. Yeah. Backside. Check this out, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> What's pert- I'd seen a video floating around, and I, I guess it had been edited, but but this was... It was enough. It was interesting enough to where I kind of started looking at it. Um, they the video, I guess, was actually of a rocket launch, but there was this big yellow orb that just started raising out of the uh, from the ground up into the sky midday. But um, my oh my! Yes, uh, their aim is to mimic the sun for quote unlimited clean energy. The tests are being conducted at the Experiential Advanced Superconducting Tokamak, or otherwise known as East. And it uses hydrogen and deuterium, deuterium, deuterium uh, gases for fuel. And they've been using it since 2006 for these experiments. And uh, yeah, oh, our sun was only 15 million degrees. And here they are on planet Earth was 70 million. Hmm. China, you guys having a good time over there? Because uh, doing stuff, making things happen over there. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. 70 million. De- yeah, that's great. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, let's see. They're hoping to uh, get this up and off the ground and in utilization by 2040. 
with the <laughs> with the planet ending in 10 years i don't know if that goal actually seems feasible or not i, I don't think anyone's told him that the world is ending in 10 years mm-hmm. um except for leo and blah, blah, blah. right and it would take uh 10 years they state 10 years to construct uh the actual reactor facilities to maintain this fusion nuclear fusion technology wow so they're just going they're going full nuke nuclear which is something that the united states just won't do well they've spent uh, guys don't give a shit. 701 million pounds on the project damn wow. that's like five thousand american dollars <laughs> <laughs> i think i got that under my mattress <laughs> Wow, that's a lot of money. Good for them. <laughs> Lordy. Yeah, we, we've talked about this this artificial sun. The, the Chinese apparently have some very big heart on for trying to recreate the sun and work on fusion energy. And when asked uh, what their goals were for trying to accomplish with this program, what they were trying to accomplish with the program, they said, unlimited power. Satan. I don't, uh, where is my, I love democracy. Damn it. I love, I I love democracy. (laughs) No, 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 no. no. (laughs) Do it. Yes. Do it. Yes. I am the Senate. (laughs) Uh, thanks China. That's what, that's what, uh, our boy Xing, Xing, Xingping says every time he goes out onto the floor. I am the Senate. I am the Senate. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> um, I, you know, I had this, uh, I had this, uh, video. It's about, fo- uh, the days before Photoshop. I might back burner this cause it's, uh, it's a little on the long side and I want to get to this other topic, but maybe if we end up with some extra time, we can circle back to that. But uh, my main meat and potatoes and happy tomatoes for tonight, um, you don't even have to think about it, dude. What do you know about psychogenic death? This is a very dark show, I guess, on my part. Man, I was going to bring all these like uppity things because I was so tired of talking about dark stuff. Now now I'm going to get all existential on this bitch. Let's do it. I don't know anything about psychogenic death. Well, I... uh... Who was this? I believe this was a Salon article. Um, and they what they they start off on this article describing an incident from 1967 where a 22 year old girl was admitted to the hospital. Uh, she was one of three babies born on Friday the 13th. Oh my God! There's so many spelling errors in this. Um, Friday the 13th in Florida's uh, Oak uh, Oak Finicky Oh O'Finicky Swamp. Butcher that. Uh, the midwife to the <laughs> wait, babies. Wait, wait, hold on. Okfinoke. Okfinoke. Thank you. Okfinoke swamp. Yes, that one. What he said. Um, right. So the midwife told the parent that all three of the babies had been hexed uh, and she gave specific ages when those children would pass and they all came true through accidents and medical issues. Uh, this, oh my. this whole article is about the phenomenon of thinking yourself to decks, a.k.a. hex deaths, a.k.a. voodoo deaths. A.k.a. self-fulfilling prophecy. Bro, a.k.a. give up ism. <laughs> <laughs> 
AKA, I already know what's going to happen. <laughs> That's funny. So you get the news that somebody tells you you're going to die at when you're 40 years old. And then as 40 comes, first of all, you lived, you, you know that you're not going to die until you're 40. So you're going to party your ass off until you're 40, knowing that you're not going to die. And then when 40 comes, you're like, well, it's now or nothing. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the, uh, so this term voodoo death, it actually comes from the same doctor who coined the term fight or flight, uh, Walter Cannon. Dr. Fight or Flight himself said this? Yep. He came up with the term. He published a paper called Voodoo Death. Oh. And I guess he was a little ahead of his time because all of his peers thought that these curses were for, quote, overreactive, overactive primitive minds. Uh, and he believed that there was a biological angle. <laughs> However, it wasn't until now that Western I'll show medicine him a biological angle. started <laughs> to take this seriously. Quote, yet until recent, this is from the uh, Salon article, yet until recently, the idea that our beliefs or our fears could kill us was not taken seriously in Western medical circles due to the lack of a mechanical explanation for how something as ephemeral, ephemeral, ephemeral as the mind could extinguish something as tangible as the body. Now, thanks to the work of a British psychologist and researcher named John Leach, that may change as he has mapped out at least one road to this unfortunate end. So this dude Mm. starts an investigation 20 years ago to, um, he's looking at like, uh, why some people will survive prison camps, why they survive shipwrecks, etc. Um, but he didn't really get anywhere until he reframed the question, uh, which was what makes a few people so extraordinary that they survive that. Sorry. That was the original question. What makes a few people so extraordinary that they survive. However, he re uh, reworked the question to why do so many people die when there's no need for them to die? And uh, this cl- I like that. Yeah. Classic statistic. Like if you're trying to look into something as strange and off the cuff, you got a question. What makes these people live? And then at some point he switches it around. What makes these people die? You know, real science. <laughs> yeah. Oh, could you believe that? So he writes this paper called Give Up Itis in 2018, and uh, he ends up detailing various uh, historical events, such as the 1607 settlers of Jamestown dying from me- melancholy, uh, captives on the slave ships dying from the sulk, and POWs from like Auschwitz, North Korea, Vietnam. Uh, he, they actually get into uh, minor detail about the POWs. They would lie down, smoke a cigarette, and pass in 48 hours. And so they, they literally just gave up the will to live. They laid down mm-hmm. and that was it. Yeah. And, uh, they expect the worst. Yeah. There, I mean, there's no, there's no hope. There's no way out. Um, he, uh, he ended up tying together a relationship between the prefrontal cornex and the basal ganglia, which I, <laughs> sounds funny. And, he uh, found some neurological connection. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, and and the way dopamine is produced. Uh, let's see. Mm. Let me take this back. Leech finally tied together a relationship between the prefrontal cortex and the basal ganglia, and the way dopamine in produced or not produced is, is produced. produced or not produced. Yes, yeah. Uh, typo on my part. Um. So, I guess there's uh, 
I thought there was only two different categories when it came to fight or flight. Um, you know, to both of those are an active motion, whether you're facing the threat head on or you're fleeing from the threat, there's some sort of motion. Um, but I guess there's a third option called freeze, which they also in this article refer to as, as a uh, passive coping and passive coping is when the threat seems to be inescapable. And it's a one, one of the mechanisms is it allows you to conserve energy until the perceived threat is passed. And, uh, at this point in the article, I started getting some of that, like, uh, that OG mass formation vibe, some of that like mass hypnosis uh, from Bjork. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes the threat doesn't pass. People can lose hope of escape as the prefrontal cortex limits the production of dopamine in the basal ganglia to below functioning levels. As hopelessness continues, this prefrontal cortex can prevent all attempts to reproduce dopamine. This begins the spiral of disengagement. So basically what he's saying is, is when you, these people are in a passive coping situation where they're, they're basically in shock. They're, they're in a very extreme situation. Yes. And they're, they're, they mentally kind of check out. And I think the brain over, overloads certain chemicals, certain happy chemicals, dopamine, things like that in order to compensate for this shock and this fear that you are trying to cover up. And when the, the brain is working at this hyper level, it, it wears itself out. Right. And yeah. I don't even think it's trying to produce dopamine to help cope with this threat that is uh, sticking around this lingering threat. Let's call it a lingering threat. Or, or it could be adrenaline or whatever you want to call it, you know, or, or 50 things. It's 50 things that the brain is trying to do. Right. Right. Um, but it just, I guess the, the prefrontal cortex refuses to um, start remaking that dopamine. Uh, it's like it, it just gets trained into this position where it's not going to make those happy good time feel tomatoes for you, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you start growing sad tomatoes. So I've got... But it's the, it, this is very much re- relating to, like, um, hermeticism and the mind is the all. The idea of the mind being the all and just how important perception is, you know, in your life and how projection can kind of the fear of pain is, is oftentimes much worse and much longer and much more. You suffer much more from the fear of pain than you do of actual pain. Yeah. It's uh well, what's the, um, uh, Oh God, I, I'm, it's drawn a blank, but the, like the law of abundance, you know, thinking and knowing that you have plenty, um, mm-hmm. just positive mental attitude. You know, if if you're gonna go through your life saying that everything sucks, then everything is going to suck. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna go through life, if you're gonna wake up in the morning and go, "This is this is going to be a shitty day today," then the odds of you having a shitty day are very high. <laughs> And, you know, it's not to say that if you get up in the morning and you say, I'm going to have a great day today, that it's guaranteed you're going to have a great day. But you're, if, if you set yourself up to fail. But, you know, this reminds me of, is, is, this kind of reminds me of, like, this situation I just had with this dentist. I've had this molar bugging me for, like, three months. 
And I've had to go to the dentist over and over and over. And I fucking hate going to the dentist. I hate, hate, hate going to the dentist. And I've spent so much more time in fear of going to the dentist and just stressing and being so worried about going. And then when I actually get there, no matter what I have to do, no matter how bad it is, you know, they knock out whatever and I can't feel it and it only takes an hour or two and then I'm out and then they fix the problem or whatever. And it just, it's like, I could spend weeks ruminating about how awful this is going to be and it controls my life. And then when it actually happens, it's not, it's it's not worth it. It's not worth all of that engagement. And I feel like this is kind of a weird way to to compare it to like POWs, but you get caught, you get put in a cage and they say that those first 48 hours are when you're like in shock and when you're panicked and probably hurt and. And these guys, you know, they, they, they fear the, the weeks or the months or however long that they're going to be in this. And that to them is, is much more painful and terrifying than probably the actual experience, which would be awful, but not so awful that you should just fucking jump off a bridge right now in, in most situations, you know, mm. most problems can be fixed. Um, generally speaking with enough time and engagement. Um, well, to like, the point where you don't need to kill yourself. <laughs> I got a, uh, I got a chart from, uh, from Leach from that, uh, give up itis article that he wrote in 2018. And I thought maybe we could, uh, quick run through some of the steps. So we've got normal behavior starting out. This is routine, adaptive and motivated goal directed behavior, ability to think ahead and plan. And then uh, there is the threshold of psychogenic shock. And from there, it just, uh, it devolves, or not, I shouldn't say devolves, but it leads through uh, five different steps or five different stages, I should say, uh, with stage one being withdrawal, impaired initiative, reduced activity, cognitive function intact, uh, speech reduced, but coherence, self-motivation diminished, but possible leads into stage two, which is apathy. This is inertia, impaired initiative, even for personal hygiene and dress, cognitive function and intact, anhedonia, A-N-H-E-D-O-N-I-A. I don't actually, I forgot to look. I don't it. know what that is. Yeah. Uh, I will. All sur- these, these steps are just kind of the same thing, but just, but just slightly escalating. Right? They just kind of, re- they repeat the same stuff. Uh, like uh, intrinsic motivation possible, but greater reliance on intrinsic motivators. Uh, stage three is a bulia loss of emotional response. Cognitive fun- function is diminished, but still intact. Uh, ceases washing and caring for personal hygiene. Uh, we've got stage four akinsia, a lack of ex- a lack of response to external stimuli. Uh, regression to infantilism. Oh my god, these words are. Spinning me over the barrel. Uh, regression to baby status. Intrinsic motion or motivation absent, but no response to external motivators. And finally, stage five is psychogenic death, uh, which is a further regression into infantilism. Infantilism, yeah. Uh, basic cognitive function loosened up until the end. Uh, apparent return of hedonia and death. Oh, boy. So, Other than the death part, it kind of sounds like our president. But anyway, maybe hopefully he's not having a psychogenic death. 
Well, the the hygiene part of this kind of reminds me of the lockdowns, and I guess that's more so where I was uh, leading in through all of this is you're locked down, you're hiding from this persistent threat, your dopamine is being uh, grinded to a halt. Um, you, you get up, you get with these terms, give up itis. I mean, they're calling it a hex death. I mean, that sounds like a spell in and of itself, right? Of course. Yeah, you're you're hexing yourself. You're you're cursing yourself to death. Just with your own internal monologue driving yourself to it. Which really is we've talked about magic. That is such a big part of what you would call magic is that internal monologue. It's that voice inside of you that you talk with. It's uh forget the bicameral mind, you know. We've talked about that in right. the past and Sometimes that voice, there's you, and then there's another you. There's two versions of you, and they're having a conversation. And, you know, when somebody gets a, an AIDS diagnosis or a cancer diagnosis, you know, you have that conversation. There's a part of you that's like, I want to fight this. And then there's another part of you that says, what's the what's the point? You're just going to suffer. You might as well just end it now. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of anecdotes uh, given of, of people that were told that they were diagnosed with cancer and, you know, they set a very specific date in mind that they wanted to reach. I think one of them, for example, was Christmas. You know, the dude wanted to spend Christmas with his family, uh, got to the date that he stated to himself that he was going to make it to and then uh, promptly passed away. And when the doctors did the autopsy, they found um, a a minute amount of, of cancerous cells. It was it was enough to where he wasn't um they shouldn't even really been able to diagnose diagnose it. It was kind of a fluke that they had found it. Mm-hmm. Um Well Yeah. So I've got some clips here of a different doctor. It funny enough, uh if you go back to episode thirty two of Mo Facts, he's talking about the same thing. That was the episode titled Nocebo, if uh if you remember that one. But it's describing the same sort of thing where it's the power of suggestion in uh, just like from from the loudspeaker. One of the main things that Adam and Mo discuss on that is watching the news, the media, reading media, consuming it in a very active fashion rather than letting it passively happen to you. It's like we're, we're listening to intent because I want to digest every single word that is spoken to me rather than it just kind of washing over and getting into that subconscious. Um, one of the points that they bring up is I always try to, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but you know, they, they wanted to turn the volume down or leave the room whenever a medicine commercial came on the air and they started listening at all the side effects. I believe it's Adam's theory that's or hypothesis, I should say, it's Adam's hypothesis that hearing those side effects will, in fact, like give dudes ED, for example, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you placebo yourself, and that is a that is a perfect handoff. Uh, this uh, particular presentator, present yes, presentator is uh, he's discussing placebo versus nocebo, and this is the origin of the word placebo, which I did not know. 
So my job, uh, besides uh, working in, the, in New York City at a medical school, I also uh, consult for, for the government in terms of a recommendation of certain drugs. So I got interested in clinical trials. And when you do clinical trials, one of the issues that comes up is placebo. So I wanted to talk about that because it's not really obvious. Uh, the term placebo comes from the 14th century, I shall please. It was used uh, at uh, people chanting at Catholic Vespers for the Dead. These were paid mourners, and they would chant placebo, placebo, placebo. And that's what it meant initially. But Hooper's Medical Dictionary in 1811 said that placebo basically was something that doctors did to please the patient rather than to benefit them. And then Henry Beecher in 1955, for the first time, showed that there was actually physiological effects of placebo. They weren't just nothing. They actually changed physiology. So the word placebo is Latin, and it's part, and this is not a dig on uh, Catholic people, but Catholicism has always kind of struck me like a death cult. Yeah, very much so. But Christianity in general is kind of a death cult, just in the sense that it's all based on a guy dying and being resurrected. And I just, you know, like that the term placebo to please is cried out, you know, during these funerals and by more, you know, paid mourners, but still very mm-hmm. spooky. And what's the literal translation? To, it's to please or, you know, I hope you're pleased, basically, is what they're saying. And, you know, now that I now that you just uh, asked me, it slipped. So I, I was I'm, I'm not sure. 14th century. The, these guys would. I shall please. I shall please. Yeah, I shall please. And they would pay people to say this to 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 at funeral processions. I I assume as like a a show of piety or prestige or something like that. I'm not sure. I love the Dark Ages. I I would love to look into this. Dark Ages, great time, great time for everyone. So this guy continues on. He's uh, giving out very, and the actual date was like 1921, and it was just all this crazy combos of different types of powders and substances that was being sold as uh, medical tinctures, cures for various ailments and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. He ends up talking about uh, the way George Washington died, which was through the process of uh, bleeding. Bleeding, yeah. yeah. But um, there. <sighs> I I wonder how much truth there is to this next particular clip because he goes through and he lists out uh, a, a, a variety of interesting facts about the effective effectiveness of different placebos. When you when you think of placebo in a clinical trial, we think, you know, it's maybe some sort of pill or something like that. Well, there are many, many kinds of placebos and they have different effects. For example, the best placebo going is surgery. You can't beat surgery. It works like a charm. Uh, almost as good as an injection. And if the injection really hurts, that's even better. And if it's red and hurts, that's terrific. If you give a capsule placebo, it's better than any pill. And a gold and silver capsule are better than colored capsules. Um, Colored are still better than white capsules. And all capsules are better than pills. Um, If you give someone two placebos, it's much more effective than one placebo. Large, bigger is better, but you already knew that. Uh, And if you give a placebo four times a day, that's much better than giving it once or twice a day. If it's bitter, it's great. 
the physical setting matters, and I work for a medical school, and what happens in a, in a well-known medical school is you do better than anyone else because you have a higher placebo response. The physical center really matters. And finally, we forget as doctors that doctors are placebos. And if you do it wrong, you're the opposite, which is a nocebo, which is what I want to talk about as well. Not just placebo, which is a good thing, but nocebos. And finally, I'll talk about the ultimate nocebo, which is voodoo death. <laughs> the ultimate placebo, voodoo death. Yep. Which is also this uh, psychogenic shock, which we were just discussing. Mm-hmm. So this one's going to get your jammies all in a twist, I feel like. We learned about the dopamine receptors, but what other, other types of receptors do you think might be involved with this? Any, uh, any initial thoughts? Uh, dopamine receptors, uh, the, hop- the hopium receptors. Oh, oh, so close. Oh, so close. Now, placebos oh. help pain. We know that. If you give a patient placebo and they think they're getting something effective... It works very well. And what's interesting is it activates receptors in the brain called opioid receptors, which are the same receptors when you give someone an opioid that it hits. Well, what's mm-hmm. interesting about this is there's a drug we use in medicine called naloxone. And if you give someone naloxone, they don't feel it. If you start an IV and you give them naloxone, not like they feel anything or would even know you gave it to them. However, it reverses the effect of an opioid. So what happens is if you give a patient something that they think is going to work, and they, they feel better, their pain's better. And without telling them, you give them naloxone, their pain comes back. And so that shows to us is it really is these opioid receptors. And what we've learned is the expectation of pain relief activates these receptors. And we can prove it. And we also know it's reversible with naloxone. Well, there's another thing in the brain, part of our reward system called dopamine. And dopamine is very much tied into our reward system. Many of us seek dopamine. And if you really seek dopamine, there are a few very effective ways of getting it. And he goes into uh, different types of drugs, caffeine, sugar, carbohydrates, nicotine, cocaine, um, Mm -hmm. all sorts of all sorts of stuff. All sorts of good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So. Essentially, COVID is a (laughs) it is hitting the same Opioid yeah. receptors. We went all the way. We we made it all this way. We hadn't mentioned COVID once. I know. We got it. Well, I did. Got s- I did say the. I did say the lockdowns earlier. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I I like what he said before you go into your COVID. Uh, I like what he said about um, the the perception of the painkiller. Like I don't know if it's ever happened to you where you've been in pain and you take an Advil or something. And even though you just took it and it's literally traveling down your esophagus to the stomach and it hasn't even begun to be processed, you, you take better. that pill and you feel better. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, I great. <laughs> it's very strange. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> speaking of pills, one of the uh, other points that he makes about uh, one of the issues with clinical trials and the placebo groups is that the um a lot of the pills are sugar pills for the placebos, right? Uh-huh. But even even those sugar pills are still hitting the same dopamine receptors as other types of uh of pleasure drugs. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I've done acid and had and somehow been on acid before the acid kicked in. Like a half hour into, it, I was like started seeing shit, and I'm like, that's not how this works. <laughs> it's tripping your mind up, man. Oh yes, Sharky brings up a great point. The sensu beans from Dragon Ball Z, maybe they're actual just bullshit, and these super fight or super powered superheroes are just healing their bodies in an instance through the sheer willpower of thinking that there's some magic juju behind these sensu beans. Mm-hmm. Or like uh wizard of Oz. This isn't the whole point of wizard of Oz at the end that they didn't need anything at all. All she had to do was click her heels. She could go fucking home. You didn't have to do any of this shit. You had it in you all along. <laughs> you had it with, <laughs> you had it in you this whole, whole time. <laughs> the, the medicine was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Oh, that's so incredibly optimistic. Now, it turns out that we've learned that optimists, fundamentally, they have a higher placebo response. The more optimistic you are, the better you do with placebos. But the problem is that pessimists do the opposite. The more pessimistic you are, the more likely you are to develop a nocebo response. So you heard about this earlier. I don't want to start a big controversy, but there's this thing called evolution, if you believe in it. Okay. But perhaps... Perhaps the capacity to heal yourself is a evolutionary advantage. We think that kind of makes sense. So there's a natural selection, if you believe in evolution, for people who are <laughs> optimists and people who can heal themselves with placebo response. Now, turns out we've identified 11 placebo genes, and I'm sure more are coming. We have 11 mechanisms genetically why certain people are placebo responders. So get over the idea that we're just sort of faking them out. There are genetic explanations for this. And that was another thing that I, uh, I definitely caught on to. Uh, one of the bigger conversational points from Nocebo, uh, the MoFax episode, uh, some of the conversation is spent discussing whether or not this generational trauma is, is carried um, mm-hmm. from you know father to son, mother to daughter. And, yeah, uh, you know. and that's a tough thing to study. That is a tough, tough thing to study. Because it's like, what are you really looking for? I mean, you're looking at, obviously, the, the obvious socioeconomic factors and uh, education and crime record and things like that. But it's like... It's like what you said earlier about it, it's so hard to qualify the the mind in, in a Western medical sense, and it's important on health with with just consciousness and willpower. Like if you go to the doctor and you say to the doctor, "I I just am going to think good thoughts, and I'm going to get better by thinking good thoughts," the doctor will laugh you out of the office, right? The doctor thinks all of this is very hokey, but it's undeniable that there is a very strong, very important thing that happens in the mind that is very hard to quantify or qualify, at least with the language we have right now. And um, to study something like what you're talking about, yeah, are these things genetic? Can Can you be a depressed person and then give your children that depression? Right. Genetically. Or is it, you know, my... Uh, you know, my relatives were alcoholics, thus that makes me an alcoholic. Yeah, or my, or they were gamblers, or you know, whatever addictions. Yeah, yeah. Will I get that? As well as the positive qualities, and I think that that's kind of an unwritten and unspoken thing 
that is very powerful, I think, in, in the elite world. When we talk about the elites, it's about bloodlines. We talk about bloodlines a lot. And I think they really, really believe in that shit. They believe that you're basically just making a copy of yourself. And uh, <laughs> when you have kids, <laughs> you're just like, you're, you're, you're propagating your progeny, your, your code and your, your line. And it's like, the, anyway, they don't even get all of that, but our it, lizard I, elite I have that. been riding the Xerox for thousands of millennia. <laughs> they have, and they will tell you, <laughs> you'd be like, if this guy's depressed or if they got crappy genes or whatever, then they aren't worth your time is, is what the elites will tell you. Now, uh, I, that does sound sound a little bit uh, like that's not evolutionary tactics, I guess. If uh, if you're literally just making or trying to make carbon copies from parent to to offspring, but I kind of I did get a kick out of him saying, you know, for those of you who believe in evolution, you, maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> you might have heard of a little thing called evolution. Pandering to all the <laughs> fucking science douchebags in the fucking room. <laughs> 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 um. So let's see. I'm. I'm. I, well, let me. Let's see what this uh, nocebo clip is. It's. Uh, it's only thirty seconds. Now, there's this thing called nocebo, which I want to talk about. And if you do clinical trials, what you discover is about twenty five percent, on average, in a clinical trial, has an adverse event from your drug which is a placebo. So you give them a placebo, and a lot of people get very sick from the placebo. And we'll talk about voodoo death, but uh, powdered Egyptian mummy is used very widely, with, particularly in Europe, and that has a huge amount of arsenic. And a lot of people used to use powdered Egyptian mummy as a medical treatment. Acupuncture caused endemic jaundice, hepatitis, all over China. <laughs> Sounds like a good time a mummy to me. dick. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Fletcher, Sir Fletcher. Uh, this is the way. So my last two, uh, these are a little longer. Um, I just, this actually. You going could, all night or what? I'm thinking so. I'm thinking <laughs> so. Uh, going all night, folks. Call the affiliates. <laughs> well, I, it's, uh, he's just talking about the voodoo death. Um, there's one tribe, uh, Aboriginal tribe where, uh, People will shake sticks at each other, and it hexes them so bad that they um, end up passing away from that. Uh, talking, about, mm. he, he actually takes it to a weird place by the end of this. He's talking about the pufferfish sushi and, and the ways that um, he, he just transitions from talking about these different instances of hex deaths. He immediately starts talking about pufferfish, pufferfish. Okay. And the sushi chefs that have to go through intense training to learn how to cut out the poisonous organs. The poisonous part, yeah. Because if you don't process the fish right, then you'll fucking poison and kill someone. Right. And uh, I, one of the ways that they ended up discovering this is a bunch of sushi chefs made some up for themselves. And they cut out all of the bad bits and fed them. Or they, they fed part of the puffer fish to a bunch of pigs and the pigs ended up getting sick and dying. And that was one of the first instances when they started figuring out that this fish was poisonous. And he's talking about the specific drug that's featured in the puffer fish, the, the amount of training that it takes to become this sushi chef. And then 
takes that and and moves right into voodoo zombies, and like the people that get the powder sprayed in their face. And he, uh, I, I guess, he's thinking that that's the same. What's in the powder is the same stuff that's uh, found in pufferfish. And he ends up talking about zombies by the end of this lecture. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, I don't. Um, Blast it. I didn't. I didn't actually get that part. Oh no! Clip. Oh, never mind. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the shaking of the stick, I thought that one was pretty good. Um, he makes a reference to the uh, gentleman that they, they, you know, that, that I was talking about earlier. They said that they found cancer and then it turns out to be nothing for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, one gentleman was, uh, he had a hex placed on him that he, uh, he would get messed up if he ever ate wild game. And shortly after, a friend of his cooked up some wild game, fed it to him, didn't tell him. They came back a year later and got up together. Friend asked, hey, did you ever eat wild game? Guy says, no, I've never let it touch my lips. And the dude, his friend is like, well, joke's on you. I fed you wild game a year ago. Kid six and dies. Once he learned that, that he had done that a year ago, then he got sick and died? Yes. Uh, that's funny. Yep. I mean, it's not funny. It's terrible. But... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the placebo effect. That's the that's so fucking weird how that works. You just get in your head, man. You get in your head. The mind's the all. The mind is the all. Yeah, I mean, other than a bullet in your arm, there's not much your mind can do about that. But aside from that, I wonder if the mind is strong enough to make people feel that. I don't know. That that would be interesting. See if there's any stories of people. um, I guess. Imagining the pain of something like a gunshot, I guess, to their to their body. Well, I know about the guy. You know about the guy who does the the breathing exercises, guru guy who can he can stay out in sub zero temperatures in a bathing suit, you know, and meditate for hours on end as long as his breathing is right. He can just ignore the cold somehow, and his body can he can do all these miraculous things through breathing, power breathing. So I think of that guy, and I think of just people that... And then, you know, yogis and... What about the guys that walk on coals? Do they... I do want to try that sometime. Me too. We should do that when we hang out. When we we actually hang out, we're going to do that. We're going to walk on coals. Hell yeah. It'll be be fun. We're going to get hammered on cider and walk on coals. (laughs) I like it. Uh, (laughs) Would you uh, perhaps like a voicemail? I would love a voicemail. Oh, here we go. Oh, Peekaboo, how you doing? Do you oh. like my obstacle day? <laughs> oh, nice. Yes. Oh, I'll see you. Do you like my obstacle day? Yeah. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, thank you, caller. You like your outfit color? Hallelujah, huh? a woman. <laughs> a woman. Are you a fed? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much, color. Yes, we appreciate it. We, it looks like we even have a follow up, so um, we'll we'll do this one. Okay, so I was kind of like going on a sort of a deep dive on TMZ, um. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know how, like, Kim Kardashian's, like, with, like, Pete Davidson? And then, like... Like, yeah. Kanye is with that Julia Fox chick. Okay, well, anyway. Okay, you know that magazine Paper, right? Ooh. So, so Kim Kardashian, she did, like, a... a a uh, a spread on on paper where where she was she broke the internet with her ass and all that so okay so pete davidson and julia fox they were they did a uh a um a photo shoot for paper and they were a barbie and ken dolls in this in these scenes and I just thought it was like it's so so like Kim and and Kanye are like are like Splitsville, and then and then they like oh they get like a, a Barbie and a Ken doll to play with, and it's it's very like oh like there, there's a programming there's some like MK Ultra like doll programming going on with that. So I thought that mm-hmm. was really interesting and i thought you both would be interested in hearing about mm. it okay love mm. you bye love you bye oh wow this i'm looking at these pictures this julia fox has quite a tuckus on her this is uh i don't this is very eerie <laughs> this is very eerie but it's also very just like vogue like we're going to have some fun today. That is very satan This Pete Davidson guy, I just don't get why this guy is so famous and why he's just going around banging everybody all the time. I've seen his comedies. I've seen him on the roast. I've, seen, I've been watching him for years. I've seen him on SNL, seen him on all this different shit. And I just he's never done anything that stands out to me. He's never like... There's no character he's done. There's no bit he's done. There's no movie he's done. I just don't fucking understand why this guy's famous. Other than the fact that I think just chicks want to bang him. (laughs) That's it. Which I guess is a reason, you know, that's a reason to be famous. By the looks of this, they're ready to Barbie bang him. Jesus. Yeah, you know these guys were doing weird stuff. Small town over there, you know. Caller, thank you for bringing this to our attention. You know, we got to keep an eye out for this satanic crazy shit, you know, Caller. No doubt. Um, I, I guess I do. I do like the uh, the detail that they put into the plastic hinges on the hands and, and neck and uh, et cetera. I like the, yeah, the doll effects they put on them. Yeah. That does Man, look this like got a big old booty. <laughs> I was, I was this, literally getting ready to comment on the uh, the quality of latex pants. <laughs> oh my god, those are fantastic! Oh, and the clouds are little heartbreaks. Oh, heartbreak clouds! Look at oh. that. So sad. And oh, Pete is actually is he strapped in or is he wearing straps? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Very interesting. Yeah, it looks strapped in. <laughs> I wish I had a uh, that is very satiny mm. <laughs> to comment on the uh, type of material <laughs> for his suit. <laughs> mm. It is very satiny. It is. <laughs> that is very satiny. I don't know. He just uh, who was the dude that played um, 
Joker in the Suicide Squad movie. God damn it, his name is escaping me. Oh, Leto. Yeah, Jared Leto. He's got that uh, that sort of same heroin chic sort of yeah, vibe to him. He's got that same like dead behind the eyes heroin skinny thing. Yeah, which is cool. I don't know. I don't want to put him down too much. There's just something happens when you get super super popular, and I'm sure he's a he's a swell enough guy. Um, but it's just when when that's all people talk about is this guy. I I don't know that train left the station for me, and this isn't necessarily a defense of Rogan, but when they tried to do that uh, Joe Rogan on Sesame Street gag on Saturday Night Live, I was like. Oh, wait, no, this guy's just a total dipshit, I think. Well, they all are. They're all just New York. It's a it's the New York uber-liberal circle where it's the closest thing we have to the elites from the Hunger Games. Like, these people are those people. They dress up in weird outfits, and they they all fuck each other, and they all just, like, are totally out of touch with <laughs> what everyone else is doing. They live in their own Cosmo, you know? yeah. Their own Cosmo Kramer. Yeah, just delusional. Fucking crazy shit. Crazy, crazy <laughs> New York douchebags that have way too much money and way too much importance, self-importance, and just, ugh. It'd be a lot of fun to be that person in your 20s or whatever, but quite the life. Yes. Oh, R.I.P. Bob Saget. Bob Saget passed away yesterday. Yeah, I saw that. Um, found dead in his Orlando hotel room. Hotel room. Shitty. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Everybody's thinking that he might be, uh, he might have David Carradine or something, but I think he probably just had a heart attack or something after doing cocaine all day, every day for however long in the 80s and 90s. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, I... I don't think we have to get into the rumors as to what he may or may not have done uh, a couple of weeks prior. Um, I don't we'll know. talk about that on next week's show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed him. I guess I only really remember him from uh, AMV. I, I never really got into... Uh, mm. Was it Family Matters? Full House. Full House. Shit. Full House, boosted to death, 11-28, third shot. Yeah, that doesn't help. Apparently, if you have heart issues, you should not be getting this vaccine. And that's like my main actual, real, honest-to-God, no-bullshit reason why I don't want this thing. is because of just the sheer amount of blood clots and heart issues that people are having. And all these athletes that are dying on the field. Yeah. Ugly. Ugly stuff, people. Yep. Well, that was going to, uh, we're not going to get back into it. I just, a quick afterthought. That was one of the things I was wondering about. Um, yeah. How many, how many people are getting these shots? It's, it's, is it, you know, how much of it is psychosomatic just in every direction? How much totally. of this is just of the mind? And, and the other 50 things that are going on, you got that plus you've got the stress of everything else that's going on. I mean, things were hard before COVID <laughs> things are only harder now. It's hard. People are stressed. People are abused. There's like a, we are being abused by our government and yeah. we are the people that understand that we're being abused. And then the people that don't understand who defend it all day, they're delusional. They're 
they're they're in a manipulative situation. Yes, and uh, but if you listen to behind the schemes, you won't be. You <laughs> will be all better for it. I'm gonna. We're gonna do our damnedest. We're gonna hold you tight. We're gonna keep you in our warm embrace, cause baby. <laughs> That's where we are. Uh, That's right. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna put that up on the shelf. Uh, Hex death because voodoo death might be a, a little insensitive. Uh, put it right up there on the shelf. Very racist. With yes. <laughs> uh, put it on the shelf beside some ha- mass hypnosis and mass formation. Uh, I'm super excited about tonight's intermission. It's featuring another song from Abel and the Wolf. The album was Stay a While. We'll be starting Sweet. off with a little bit of Like Wine which I really, really dug as a song. So I'm glad to have it in here for tonight and got some other fun music. We'll actually be closing out with uh, one of Malachi's tracks. So get excited, everybody. In-house, motherfucker. I know. So many local musicians. Yeah. It's you running through my head like 
Let's go to Chuck in California. Hi. Uh, Bill, first of all, I'd like to say I've seen you in Las Vegas. I've seen you in Los Angeles. I think you are the most brilliant comedian I have seen in an awful long time. You see? You see? Tell him this, folks. (laughs) One of the things I want to ask is how... How do you come up with the ideas? Your act is so far out, and uh, I, I would say you you approach that border without really going over, but you're, you you kind of come from all different angles. How do you come up with these ideas? Where do you you know what's going on inside Bill Hicks to really come up with these things? Uh, well, it's a good question, but uh, if I knew the answer of how I came up with it, I would have 24 hours of new material a day. Actually, what happens is it just comes to me, and by virtue of working every single night, it fleshes out and uh, takes form, and then it grows. Then it grows real old. Then I drop it. (laughs) People always ask, how do you come up with stuff? If there was like a formula, you would have reams of material. You know what I mean? It's not like I had two parts uh, sarcasm, uh, one part uh, observational, and mix them up, and there's my little pie, my comedy cupcake.
Where are you? Where are you? Why aren't you working on this? We need emergency support funding for our schools, and we need it now. So, President, that's your job. That's your job. Wait. You guys are Nazis. Nine, we're not. Yes, you are. Behind the schemes. Starring Uberry, 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 Uberry. 
and lavish, 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 lavish. I know what I was missing for the first, second half of show. I never lighted any incense. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. I know. <laughs> this is <laughs> incense in the membrane. Uh, uh, you got to make some sense, man. Damn. <laughs> I need to throw another intermission in. Oh, uh, gosh. <laughs> 11 minutes. Uh, this is my intermission. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back to the second, second half of show. This is episode 79 of Behind the Schemes. 79 it's january 10th 2022 currently 9 37 p.m specific yeah and you listen to behind the schemes this is booberry moth band of the miniocalypse and we got lavish here from the bereft coast that's right and uh and give us a call 612-263-7999 you might uh have a good time doing it i'm fairly certain this caller is having a good time tonight Mr. Pinata Bombs is running for governor of New York. Mm-hmm. You heard it here first, folks. Pinata Bombs. <laughs> Mr. Pinata Bombs, governor for New York. That sounds like a badass cocktail at a Mexican restaurant. A pinata bomb. You think it's like a drop shot sort of deal or definitely. Nice. Yeah, you're dropping a tequila into more tequila and then you chase it with a Modelo. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. Yes. Uh, Nice intermission. That was a groovy one. Thank you. It was a lot of of fun putting that one together. Like playing music of people that I know. Yes, that's right. And uh, Abel Kirby and Sir Spencer dropped their album, and it's a value for value album, uh, which is cool. It's, It's... Everybody, you know, they've got a system in place where if they, if somebody contributed in a meaningful way, then they get a cut. You know, they get their little bit, and it's all automatic, and it's all, it's very cool. Bleeding edge, man. It's bleeding edge, man. So fancy. <laughs> so I I don't even pretend to be a dude named Ben. I'm. We we got to get uh, we got to get Malachi on a node. So oh. he, he can start he can start streaming sats to his music. Mm, Malachi node. <laughs> Malinode. Malinode. You get a blitz. And you get a blitz. <laughs> Everybody gets a raspy raspy blitz. Um Raspberry Pi. I've always wanted one to to emulate video games. You get an emulator. <laughs> that's now I'm just looking like an idiot. There's people listening to the show that are like, you dope. All you need is this flash drive and you can emulate an N64 and all the games ever. Anyway, we just get shall a, we get, Oh, sorry. Please find please. a proper controller instead of trying to use the keyboard. Can I just plug my N64 controller into my phone? Do they have a dongle for that yet? That will convert the N64 controller into USB C. <laughs> I'm going to look. <laughs> Well, if it doesn't exist, get on it because somebody's going to make a million dollars doing that. <laughs> Two, maybe even three million dollars. Maybe. They'd have to sell a lot of it. Uh, anyway, I I think I'm going to get into my meat and potatoes for the evening. Uh, I have some very important news, but first I need to I need to set the the scene here. 
Oh, it looks like you can get a uh, Nintendo 64 controller adapter for the Switch. Right. And PC Windows. It's USB. Look at that. So, Booberry. Aliens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think you know? <laughs> All right. So, aliens, everybody. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're aware that space is a big place, and it's got a lot of room, and there could be life from other planets somewhere strewn throughout the fabric of the cosmos. Well, today, or I should say yesterday, um, SpaceX, which is the very popular little company run by Elon Musk, was launching a Falcon 9 rocket, and they were live streaming the event. And um, there was uh, they, they caught something. There was something as the as the ship was setting up, and I'll and I'll get in, in a minute into why they were launching the rocket in the first place. But they had a camera strapped to it, and it was pointing down the barrel of the rocket, uh, probably on a booster that eventually would have been chipped off. I didn't watch the whole thing, and just for a fleeting moment, there comes and floats into frame this very strange, unidentified flying object. That um, kind of comes and, it, and it, it it almost looks like it's like decloaking or something. It's coming on, and uh, and then they immediately switch over. They immediately <laughs> switch over to like some boring shot of the inside of the booster where you can't fucking see anything, um, or on the backside of of the th- current thruster that was being used. And the, if you want to see this image, because I know I'm just describing the image, if you go to our Notes, our show notes at zosocorner.substack.com, episode 79. You will find the uh, all of the GIFs and all of the footage of all this thing. And it it was covered. Uh, I found this article, uh, The Guardian covered it. And they referenced this guy, this YouTuber. uh, What is the YouTuber's name? His name is Underbelly... Hidden Underbelly 2.0 is the name of the channel. Has about 50,000 followers. Uh, if you could please play this first clip. Uh, what was it? UFO 1, I think. Okay, guys. We have got this clip from the recent SpaceX launch that happened earlier today. And in this clip, we can see this donut-shaped object that turns up. So, guys, let's have a real quick look at the video. And then we'll have a real quick chat afterwards. All right. So so we do that. I love this. He's got a funny voice. So I had to. <laughs> I mean, the Guardian literally references him. So I checked up, I checked up on it. And he has a silly voice. He's perfect. Um, so you can find the footage. Like I said, it's in the show notes. I'm trying to find. Uh, I've got a WebM that. Uh, I'm posting in the chat right now as we speak that anybody in the chat can watch at their leisure. And if you're not in the chat, you should be irc.zeronode.net. We are in hashtag green room. And you'll find that shit uh, right there. And you can save it and you can do whatever you like. There's a lot of different sort of currently there's a lot of different ways you can find this footage. And the article itself, the Guardian article's in there. Yeah, I'm uh, looking at it right now. It's, uh, first off, it look, kind of looks like a cloud, but then it 
continues to finish its form. Yeah, I thought it was a cloud too at first. Uh, but the if you see there's clouds that are floating yeah. on the right, and you'll see that they're float they're they're moving directly left from from the perspective of the camera. This object that comes into view is floating up. It's it's floating um perpendicular, essentially, to the direction that the, the earth seems to be rotating. I don't know, man. That looks uh <laughs> that's a little freaky. And they say aliens don't exist. It's just uh, it's another little thing because there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, trust me, there's no shortage of weird offhand. You can't quite make out what it is, but that's definitely not normal and, uh, footage that they get from all these live streams that they do all the time. And this in the center of it is darker than the actual atmosphere around it. And people have enhanced the image. You're right. It is. It's like a donut shape. It has like a dark divot in it. Well, it almost and looks it, like a grain of rice. Honestly, whatever. Yeah, it doesn't look particularly natural. You can see the clouds for reference on the right and the clouds, you know, they're over the ocean somewhere and they're they're pretty sparse and they're obviously of a certain texture and they're of a certain movement and, and, and pace. And then this thing just isn't part of that. It's a completely independent object. Um, people have said Reddit, uh, people from Reddit, of course, because this is where I go to find my opposition. Uh, <laughs> you know, people post the video, and there's all these people in the chat. They're like, "No, bro, it's ice." That's that's what somebody claimed. It it's an ice buildup, and I'm like, "An ice buildup on what?" Like, it's not in reference to it. It's not on the camera because if we're on the camera, it would be stationary on the camera. Just like the the booster itself, you know, and then everything around it, like the Earth moves, but that thing is moving. It's not fixed as a part of the camera, and it's not on anything else. There's no object that you can see on which there would be any buildup device. So I, it's just bizarre. Uh, I think it's it, it could almost be a portal, portal or a cloaked UFO. Yeah, or a satellite, something that maybe they have like a cloaked satellite and there's just a certain way that the light hits it, that it gets compromised or, or maybe, you know, it's not perfect. Cloaking technology isn't perfect. <laughs> Shit like that. I don't know. I'd love to speculate on this sort of thing. This is so much fun. <laughs> Here's their defense warning sounds for when they get spotted. Hello. <laughs> I want to think that there's aliens out there that are like, check me out. I'm on TV. Yeah. What's up? Doing it for yeah. the gram. I don't give a fuck. And then somebody like blasted out of the sky. Shut the fuck up. There's no aliens. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. We got to get that Adam Curry. Uh, I saw. Are you, you want a little shut the fuck up? Yeah. You want a little shut the fuck up? Shut the fuck up. That's it. Yeah, That's the no, one. No, 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 no. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. Shit, fuck. Ah. Uh. Uh, yeah so uh i love aliens and, and so this is fun and if you want to see the image it's great and i mean we can we can wax lyrical about it all day long but i, I started looking into the rocket itself the falcon 9 and it's a spacex rocket it's an elon musk toy and i was like well why was this thing in space anyway and what they were doing 
was they were dumping a bunch of low orbit satellites mm. that they are using to build what they what he calls Starlink, which is the plan is essentially to just dump a thousands and thousands of uh, low orbit satellites all over, have them coat the world so that basically you just cover the world in Wi-Fi <laughs> and you cover the world in um, a, a low latency internet, as they say. Uh, and I, and I posted the, uh, the, from the site, it, it, they've got this little spiel it says, while most satellite internet services today come from single geostationary satellites that orbit the planet at 35,000 kilometers above uh, above ground. The low uh, Starlink ones are constellation of multiple satellites that orbit much closer at 550 kilometers as opposed to 35,000, and they cover the whole globe. Um, so this is the kind of... This is the kind of, uh, it, it sounds cool on paper, but when you look into it, it, it kind of starts getting terrifying. It turns out, oh, wait, I've got a clip. Uh, please play the first Starlink clip. Oh, that was, uh, sorry, that was on me. Unmute, <laughs> enhance, rotate. In less than three years, SpaceX has launched about 1,800 satellites to build a network called Starlink. The world seems to have an insatiable appetite for bandwidth. Starlink is one of several projects to bring super-fast internet to basically every corner of the Earth using satellites. Its rivals include Britain-based OneWeb, a nascent initiative by Amazon, but also China's own satellite industry. The amount of traffic in space, and particularly in low Earth orbit, has increased dramatically, largely due to the Starlink. Now, rivals and countries are complaining that Starlink satellites have endangered other spacecraft. According to one tally by a British university, Starlink is involved in as many as 2,400 close encounters every week, about 58% of all such known incidents. Complaints have gotten louder in, in recent times as, as Starlink is growing. After China complained to the United Nations that its space station had to maneuver to avoid hitting a Starlink satellite, Musk responded that there's plenty of space in orbit. <laughs> but as SpaceX alone wants to launch tens of thousands There's more satellites, space, <laughs> scientists and critics are now raising safety concerns and calling for more regulation in space. Mm. To understand why Starlink has drawn so much criticism, first you need to know where these satellites are and how they work. SpaceX is Starlink. They're in low Earth orbit. Jonathan McDowell is a scientist at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics, and he's been studying space programs around the world for over 40 years. The majority of the Starlink satellites are orbiting at their operational height of 550 kilometers. And that's different from the traditional broadband satellites we had before, which usually operate about 36,000 kilometers above the Earth ground. The closer distance allows the Starlink satellites to more easily provide faster internet speed, but the flip side is... You need thousands instead of like three or four to cover the whole world. Because a low-orbit satellite is going to go overhead, rise above the horizon, and set again in just a few minutes. All I can think of was uh, when the ISS had to move. Move, bitch! Get out the way! <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Those guys, their whole life is just dodging shit. 
That's uh, the whole point of being on that ship is just so they can tackle whatever shit get, you know, bunch of crap. And that, the thing just gets pelted with pebbles and bullshit all day. Scary. Scary stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, there's some fu- kind of interesting information. I'm going to break this down a little bit. So she starts off, she says, in three years. And by the way, this is a report from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, this article that we're in the the video that we're listening to in three years, the audio of the video that I'm listening to in three years, SpaceX has launched over 1800 satellites for Starlink alone. So they're launching shit all the time and they, and they subcontract and they, they'll put up satellites for anybody who's willing to pay them just for this one project that that is their in-house project is almost 2000 satellites in three years shitload of satellites that they're dumping up there all the time. Uh, they also said that, uh, according to the tally by some British university, uh, 2,400 close encounters happen a week with the Starlink system, which accounts for 58% of all known incidents of close encounters that happen in space. All, all it's, it's, uh, over half of things that go wrong in space are because of just this one thing, the Starlink thing. Uh, so China is very critical. And the the idea, of course, that Elon's selling, and you can go to the fucking site and see him say that this is like for high-speed gaming. That's the <laughs> way he's selling it. He's like, this is so people out in the middle of nowhere, if you're far away from a city, you can get high-speed internet and you can do high-quality gaming. And um, I've referenced that uh, page uh, in the show notes on the website, the Starlink website, where they say that. Um, But in my mind, this, and I think Adam and John have talked about this in the past as well, this is all infrastructure for something that can be used so much more deviously. Military, intelligence. um, just Surveillance. Surveillance. Well, I guess that would be intelligence. Yeah, but... Uh, this is this is a tool that is so over the top, above anything that we've ever had to deal with as as a, as a species. Something that just would code us all day long in in pure unadulterated fucking high speed internet where everything's monitored all the time. It would make IoT. It would it would finalize the IoT thing, uh, Internet of Things. And make it so that everything that you use from your fucking refrigerator, your microwave, your toothbrush, your shoes, you have an electronic toothbrush, <laughs> your shoes, I mean, not your shoes, but anything with a, with a computer chip and anything that can have a computer chip in it will, will monitor your habits and the usage of everything. And it will send it back to some database somewhere, you know, some company, which then will be forced to provide that information to whoever the, the, the alphabet soup organizations and whoever has the money to pay for it. And then anybody who can get into their system, you know, any government, China send some spies in there and get access to that. But it just, it opens up a massive wormhole. Now, Uh, do these satellites stay in the air when they fail or do they come back down to earth ground? That's a, something they don't really talk about, and that's part of the issue. Is if you put up this these many satellites, it will it will flood 
you know, this very kind of finite amount of, of low orbit area, and it will set off a chain reaction, <clears throat> which is something they call Kessler syndrome. And I've also referenced that in the show notes. Um, but essentially, it sets off a chain reaction where shit bumps into each other. One thing bumps into something else, and then it explodes, and then that sends off a million pieces that does that, <laughs> and then that all those million pieces blow up into a million pieces, and then it it all the satellites will you know in a, in a flash be destroyed, and we will be sent back into God knows what era of technology, you know, depending on how many because it would just be the low orbit satellites. Right. Unless they got all the way to the big ones that are over, you know, thousands of kilometers away, tens of thousands of kilometers away. But it's not, you know, violently unlikely. Um, it's rain to must. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I, you know, I saw. Amen. <laughs> hey, I saw that there's a there's a video game out. I'm not going to say which one, but it's a first person war shooter that's set in the future in 2042. And that's I found out that that's the plot of that game, is that there's that's what happens. They they send up too many fucking satellites, and then it sets off this Kessler chain reaction, and then you know the whole world gets thrown into chaos, <laughs> and and it's, it just rains fucking metal and fire from the sky all over the world. Yeah. Uh, please play uh, two uh, of Starlink or UFO of Starlink Starlink please. So what are the actual risks of an accident happening in low orbit? In its recent complaint, China detailed two instances in which its space station found itself in the way of Starlink satellites. So this complaint kind of mirrors the complaints that have been made in the past about similar incidents. The European Union had a complaint like that in 2019. And then one year later, OneWeb, the British-based constellation, has made a similar complaint. China didn't call for specific action by SpaceX, but said countries are responsible for what happens in space under international treaties. SpaceX didn't respond to our request for comment on these incidents, but Musk has pushed back in a recent interview, claiming that space is big and there's room for tens of billions of satellites. Starlink has said its satellites are equipped with artificial intelligence to help avoid collisions, but it hasn't revealed details of the system. It's quite a large object, and if something that big hits you at that speed, it's going to completely disintegrate your spacecraft. And if it were to hit the the Chinese space station, it would destroy it and kill all the people aboard. I like that's his argument for everything. Space is big, okay, bro? Yeah. He's done that before. I've seen Elon go and build factories in Germany, and people, like a reporter once said to him, what, what about the local water supply? You're going to fuck up the local water supply. And he laughed at her and he goes, there's plenty of fucking water. Or he didn't say there's plenty of fucking water, but he said there's plenty of water. That's his answer. There's plenty of shit. Plenty of fish in the sea. (laughs) You know, the universe, big place. Don't worry about it. Oh, universe, big place. Tens of billions. Tens of. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) Satellite, love you so good. Satellite one happy ending? Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. Hey uh, there. We're just fueling hate against uh, That's uh, right. Asian Americans. This is inappropriate. That's the least racist thing you've said tonight, honestly. So oh, thanks. Don't worry about it. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. 
so yeah, Elon, you fucking shyster. He, this guy is such a, he, you know, I respect him in a certain way, and I'm not a big Elon hater. Like I, I've been to parties where people will shit on. Like at a regular party, you're hanging out, having a beer, and someone will be riled up talking about Elon Musk. You're like why? Like you care about this guy? I mean. More than you you would care about a, uh, I don't know, a Soros or maybe that's a... Well, Elon Musk is the literal Antichrist, so... Yeah, yeah. I get I get why people get all uppity about him. They, they call him a fraud, which he is in, in a lot of ways, because he, he, he frauds the system and shit, but... He's, he builds cars and, he's, and he builds rockets, <laughs> And he sends shit into space. I mean, that's that's pretty real to me. Yeah, I'm. I guess I'm somewhat ambivalent either way on Elon Musk. Yeah, I just. Yeah. Uh, I I definitely think I I don't. He doesn't. And <laughs> what can I say? I don't know the guy. Um, just like I don't know. Uh, Probably nine-tenths of the people that we discuss on this show. Uh, but I guess he's never really struck me as sort of that uh, same Bill Gates sort of um, energy, I guess. He he has a similar energy. I, I So I'm, I live in the Bay Area, and I actually know people who've worked for him. Oh, okay. Or I should say I know people who know people who worked for him. <laughs> and, I, and I know... There's a story that I've heard of about how he was doing some, some he was selling he was pitching Teslas the cars the Model S's, and uh, he had somebody I guess they didn't have some floor mats or something in the car, cars didn't have some mats in them, and so Elon goes we need mats in the cars they go well, we don't have any mats we we'll have to get them you know from the factory in Mexico. And so Elon gets his private jet and he gets the guy responsible to get on the jet and fly to Mexico and back. Get go to Mexico, get four floor mats for these cars. Four mats and fly back in time for the show. They do it. He gets back, they get the mats in there, he says, Thank you very much, you're fired. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So He's One less to I suppose. I mean, hey, if I were on that plane, you know, we'd be cracking into the Glen Livet a little bit. Hope for the best. But that, he's got that energy. I mean, he definitely doesn't... He's not like you and me where he'll... You know, he doesn't have any qualms with with morality in the same way that we do, I guess. And not to put myself apart from him. He's a fucking billionaire. But... In my opinion, from everything that I've researched from people who are billionaires, self-made guys, quote-unquote, most of the time they aren't very good people, (laughs) if ever are they good people. To be a billionaire, you have to have have a very certain something about you. Um, A viciousness. (laughs) I don't know know how to describe it, but it's... Do you think Oprah is vicious? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh, God. You talking... Just bear shit in the Pope? No. Yeah. 
Yeah, she's vicious. She's Sid vicious, dude. <laughs> she's the OG. She will fuck. She's definitely had people murdered. You know, Oprah's had people murdered. She's gonna have me murdered just for saying that right now. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think you can do that. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think you might upset the network. Well, <clears throat> I guess I have forty-eight hours, so I'll just have a cigarette and lay on the ground and die. <laughs> might as well. Might as well make this easy for them. Yes. Yes. Yes, uh, Servo, I think you probably nailed it the best. A meat clock. Set that timer. meat clock. (laughs) That's right. Oh, we can all hit on Elon. Uh, Let's hit it with clip number three, please. Two objects smashed together, generate thousands of pieces of debris, which then hit other objects, which then create more thousands of pieces of debris. Scientists say all these risks need to be factored in by everyone, not just Starlink, in the fast-growing industry. Starlink is a market leader at the moment, and other companies are trying to catch up. So I don't think we will see the frequency of launching these satellites subside. China hasn't started launching its own satellites, but has plans to build a constellation of more than 10,000. Amazon's Project Kuiper, which is set to test satellites in 2022, aims to build a network of more than 3,000. And OneWeb, which is controlled by Indian conglomerate Bharti Global and the UK government, wants to send more than 600 satellites into space. As all these satellites head to the skies, the race sets the stage for global debate about how to regulate them. Chris. Yeah, you think? It's a master <laughs> debate. Uh, but you know what the worst thing about this whole thing is? There's something, there's a, as, there, as there always is, there's an unexpected, unforeseen variable with these complex world changing matters do you know that these 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 starling things you're out in your farm in the middle of wherever and you know you want your high speed gaming and so you get a dish and that's what you get in the mail you get this little starlink dish and out in the really really cold parts of the world um you have an option where the dish can self-heat in order to to not ice up. Right. Like a little defrost. It will defrost, which I think, you know, is pretty clever. That's cool. It's not not a bad thing to have, but it's having really bad unintended consequences. Please play uh, Starlink 4. Uh, I hope it's this one. SpaceX's Starlink has been making steady gains with its fledgling satellite internet service. Is yeah. that the one? Okay. Surpassing 100,000 terminals voice. shipped in 2021 and showing promising improvements in performance after initial speed tests produced lackluster results. However, the companies run into an unforeseen hiccup with its dishes. Cats love them. Starlink <laughs> works great until the cats find out that the dish gives off a little heat on cold days, tweeted Starlink user Aaron Taylor. His recent image of five cats huddled together on top of a Starlink dish went viral. In the photo, the Starlink dish is installed at ground level and surrounded by snow. As noted by the Tesla and SpaceX-focused news outlet and store Tasmanian, the dish's snow melt mode may be to blame. Launched in 2020, this feature enables dishes to use self-heating capabilities to prevent snow buildup from interfering with the signal, and apparently provides a toasty outdoor lounge space for critters. Another possible explanation, cats are just assholes. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. 
Thank you, robot lady voice. You know, nature will find a way. Yeah, and the cats especially. They oh, will look at find that. the heat. Oh, Servo in the chat dropping cat pics. <laughs> nice. It's a cat thread now. It's officially a cat thread. Yes. <laughs> Post them if you got them. <laughs> <laughs> Show them <and> weep. <laughs> Turns out Elon's must greatest enemy and adversary is a bunch of fucking cats. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cat. Goddamn cats. You know, Elon is uh, propagating the cat agenda. He's empowering them, keeping them warm through the winter. I think this is all part of the master plan. It's 5D chess, if you ask me. It's, it's not looking good for us, folks. How are we supposed to compete against this sort of mastermindry? Who knows, man? What if... Know. Gonna make a dumb joke about that's right. Servo's right. There's cat girls. He loves cat girls, man. Elon's such a cat girl guy. He married one. What? Yeah. Her name's Grimes. She makes music on iPad, and she she's a cat girl. And uh and he married. Well, he didn't marry her. He just put a baby in her, and he's with her. But you know, that's the one. She's the she's she's. His gal. Justine Wilson. Oh, he dated Amber Heard at one point. Yeah, Amber Heard beat the shit out of him, just like she beat up Johnny Depp. (laughs) (laughs) Elon Musk and Johnny Depp are Eskimo bros. Yeah. Amber Heard, this one goes out to you. You get the rod! You get the rod! Uh, yeah, he's with Grimes now. Grimes Amber's is the... Uh, <laughs> swan song. song. Oh, oh, are they not together? Is, is he not with Grimes anymore? He's I like, have no yeah. idea. I have no idea either. I don't care. I really don't care. But uh, the the cats, it's an issue. Just keep an eye out. All of this is verified in the notes, people. All of it. Don't don't forget. The, you don't have to think about it, dude. Elon Musk is big cat. Mm. He's just looking for... This is why he keeps breaking up with all of his girlfriends. He hasn't found the right one. And it's because she is 100% genetically human. And that oh. is just not good enough for him. <laughs> <laughs> These numbers are not acceptable. <laughs> this is no good. I can do better than this. You know, transhumanism, transcatism, trans. Well, I just got this idea. Like, what if you could build a big enough Starlink terrestrial dish to gather all the cats on the planet into one place and then. I guess the cats could collectively push the earth off of its plane. Like push it like out of knock orbit. It. Yeah, knock push it, it off. Push it into the sun. <laughs> knock it out of orbit. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a typical cat dick move. Total dick cat move. <laughs> Big dick cat move. <laughs> Big cat dick move. Elon Musk is Big Cat Dick. That's right. Don't trust Big Cat. Big Cat's dick move. 
big head. <laughs> that is very barbed. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my. <laughs> we have images of that in the notes as well, if you care to see. We reference everything we talk about on this program. No doubt. And Servo also posts pics of it. Let's see if we got uh, any more screen mails by chance. It doesn't look like we do. Let's oh, look. that's that's a shame. Yeah. You should leave us one at 612-263-7999. Or one of those late night shows. We'll play it late night. This is true. Um, I don't know. We got... Uh, did you have any other stories? No. I was trying to keep it light this week. There's a lot of, like kind of rough stuff in the news and I didn't really want to talk about it honestly you want a happy tomato yeah this was my happy tomato episode nice yeah I don't need to talk about it doesn't matter it doesn't it doesn't matter there's always next moan day I suppose yeah, I mean, I, I still have this uh, in the... You know what? I'll save that for next week. Next week, we'll check out this in the days before Photoshop from Polaroid. There's some uh, oh. some fun... Uh, uh, I don't know. Future guessing clips out of it. You know, Stalin really was the guy who perfected that whole game. <laughs> Pre-Photoshop. He's a pre-Photoshop legend. <laughs> Raining Photoshop champ. That's right. He nice. definitely won the competition, if you know what I mean. No doubt. Um, but yeah, we do this uh this show every Monday night. Check us out at badradio.live. We go live at about, I don't know, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock. Nine o'clock rock. Yeah. Ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock rock. Yep. Uh and that's uh the uh Specific time, chemtrail time, and uh, Eastern. That's so right. Nine o'clock Eastern is when we kick that stream on. Hang out in the chat room with us. Hashtag Green Room. Zosa's Corner for all of our Substack notes. Some cool stuff in there. Some funny pictures of cats on dishes. Everything that we played tonight is featured there. Come hang out with Gal. Um, I think that's. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode. That's right. Uh, if you enjoyed it, you know, we're a value for value production, which means we don't have commercials, we don't have ads. So, if, uh, you know, just hanging out, listening, and being part of the show, that you're a producer in your own right. So, thank you for producing the show. No doubt. It's, uh, it's part of what makes this production such an enjoyable time. Knowing yes, that we indeed. don't have to sit here and do ad reads or God. just put, like, creepy pre-recorded ads in, in randomly throughout the show. Yeah, pop them in. Hey guys, this is Booberry and I'm lavish and you <laughs> know <laughs> Here's this really, project a product I never tried, but you know how it is when you're doing the thing and you need that thing and you don't have that thing. Well, I finally got that thing, you know? <laughs> and this is why you should get the thing too. Yeah. Just put the code hashtag burgeoning terror in the discount line. You get 5% off of your order. That's right. 5.55555% off. <laughs> uh, could you imagine if we did commercials for Blue Chew? Uh, yeah, I can. I think we'd kill it. We'd crush it. 
That's why it's even worse <laughs> oh, no. that we don't do it. Definitely, we would definitely crush it. <laughs> I know. We choose not to do the commercials. We could do the commercials. We'd be awesome. But we don't do it. Oh. <laughs> Chris. Fuck. Fuck everything. Anyway. Except for our beautiful schemes that we try to get behind. No doubt. And we'll be here again next week doing it all over again and avoiding all those schemes. Until next time, I'll be Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman. And I will be inevitably lavish. We'll catch you next time. Ciao, Bella. This show is behind the Shem Shemas. The schemes. Behind the schemes with threes as ease. Hallelujah. Amen. So the orgy's off? That's a fun fucking fact. Was that a goat noise? In 2020, more people died from COVID related meth lab explosions. Are you a fed? I'm surrounded by feds. Hello. Oh, God bless all this money. Booberry and Lavish, uh, just uh, motorboating a bunch of boobies. It was bad radio. I am the hype! <laughs> Claims so baseless, we're mistaken as injustice for all. The best part of waking up is mind crime in your cup. Goodbye, BTS. <laughs> that boy band got no future. Find us at BehindTheSchemes.com with threes for ease. This is Behind the Schemes. The esoterica of your dreams. <laughs>